Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's just read this together. I appeal, therefore, brothers, to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Just think about those words tonight with me as we read these. To present your bodies a living sacrifice. And look how he describes our bodies, okay? And we forget this. We get this wrong. We forget that we are holy and that we are acceptable to God. Now, how do you feel about yourself today on a scale from 1 to 10? <laughs> I think if we were to wait for a few minutes, I think we would say not holy and unacceptable. But what is the word saying here? We are holy and we are acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In the Greek translation, it says your logical worship or your, your reasonable worship. And verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. But if there was a period there, we'd be like, oh, no, I'm dead. I'm, I'm dead in the water because I can so easily gravitate towards the world. Do not be conformed to this world. But here, because it's the New Testament and it's the New Covenant, it's saying it's giving us away. But be transformed by the renewal of your minds that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I just want to talk tonight about surrender, which equals satisfaction. If I was to draw today, you know, if we were, I'm not a math geek, but if I was to draw, if I was to take the word, remember algebra? On each side of the equal sign, you had to make it work, right? That was so frustrating. Anybody good at algebra here? Okay, wow. Okay, we got the algebra people over here. And then we have the not good algebra people over here. Isn't it, isn't it funny how, like, you guys just, just like, it, it just kind of flows like that naturally. Well, for all the algebra geeks here, surrender equals satisfaction. I heard it said one time that satisfaction slays temptation to sin. When we're satisfied with the goodness and the grace of God, there is no want in us for what the hamburger of the world offers. I just want to read like four or five quotes about surrender, and I think it's going to really, these are quotes, you know, these are notes that I found that I had taken, I, you know, and I, I, what I do is I study, I take notes, and then sometimes I never preach on it. I just study it for myself because I don't like just to study to preach. I like to study to build my own self up. And I was going through some notes of surrender, and I found these notes from two years ago, almost to the day. And I don't remember ever preaching this and I was reading through it, and I thought, wow, did I write this, or did somebody else write this? And I don't remember getting this from anywhere. I think there's just some notes that God had given me on this topic of surrender. Listen to what William Booth, do you know who that was? He was the founder of Salvation Army. He wrote these words. He wrote, the greatness of man's power, greatness of the man's power is the measure of his surrender, William Booth. D.L. Moody said this, The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly set apart to him, consecrated to him. Consecrated. I have the word consecrated here, but I substituted it in your copy. Consecrated to him. And by God's grace, I want to be that man. Amen. Surrender, right? Here's another quote. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, who founded the China Inland Missions, wrote, one time said that the secret, all too often secret discontentment in Christians 
can be traced back to the lack of surrender. Here's another great quote by A.W. Tozier. The reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders, interfering with God's work within us. Elizabeth Elliot, remember who she was? She was, a, she was the wife of the missionary Pastor John Elliot, who wrote the, wrote the words to that famous song that says, um, um, and I can't remember it. He was a missionary in Ecuador. He lost his life uh, for the faith, preaching to the Indians in Central, in Central America. And he said this, one does not, his wife said this, one does not surrender a life in an instant that which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. Is that true? And then lastly, Jesus' quote here in Matthew 26, 42. Oh, my father, as he's praying in the garden, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Surrender. And so there's just five simple things I want to say tonight. Number one, God is the one that accomplishes our surrender. Okay, we can hear messages today about surrender. You got to surrender your life, surrender, surrender, surrender. But you know something? Remember Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, when Paul writes to a church that's really struggling with, with power in the Christian life. And he says this to them, and I'm reading to you in the Amplified Bible, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. Don't you love the Amplified? It just energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. So here's two things about that. God is not asking us to give perfect surrender in our strength or by the power of our will because Christianity is not about our willpower, how much that we can will. Surrender is not executed by will nor by human determination, but it's God who is willing to work in us. So it's God that is accomplishing our surrender. It's God working in us. And this is important because Hebrews 9, verse 14, and I like, I always like to, we always like to um, lean on Bible verses because we don't want to be giving our own opinion or Christian culture or get lost in uh, religious buzzwords that sometimes when you say them have a lot of emotional baggage to them. So I like what here it says in, in Hebrews 9, verse 14, through the eternal spirit, Jesus offered himself up. Think about that. Through the eternal spirit, Jesus offered himself up. Through the Holy Spirit, in Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, we are, we are energized for God. And there is a love that is in us that is not from us, but it's a love for God that is just such a gift to us. And so that's the first thing I want to say tonight is that if you are worried about your surrender and your levels of surrender and you're like, I don't know if I'm surrendered enough or I don't know if I need to surrender more. Romans chapter six, I would just say yield to the Holy Spirit. And our prayer is, is Lord, if I need to surrender in an area, I need you to speak to me. I need you to minister to me. I need you to work in me. I need you to, to uh, do the work of the Holy Spirit that you promised in John 16, and that is that you would persuade me of righteousness, that I am righteous. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's not my energy. It's not my willpower. It's not my, you know, it's not my Sunday 
after church, um, consecration to God, calling, being called up front to be rededicating our lives to God. It's the Holy Spirit and us surrendering to that Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit want us to surrender? Yes, of course. So when I surrender to the Holy Spirit, when I say, Holy Spirit, I need you to work that into my life, is he going to answer that prayer? Oh, no, he's not going to answer that prayer because he wants you to work it out in your own power, right? Isn't that what Philippians 2.12, you say, somebody might say, we always repeat the same verses. Well, I, this, this is such an important verse. The Bible says, work out your own salvation, right, in fear and in trembling, right? Okay, there's a lot of us that like that verse, but we forget the second part. In verse 13, for it is God that works in us. So, yeah, God, I want to do all of this in Romans chapter 7, but I cannot do it. And that is why the Holy Spirit needs to be. That's why we need to present ourselves, not our woeful, dirty, shameful selves like, oh, what a mess I am. Because when Paul said in Romans chapter 7, oh, wretched man that I am, he is not talking about, oh, shameful, despised, rejected disapproved, yucky person that I am. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I am such a mess. I have such, there, I have such a war going on in my life. But Paul says here in Romans chapter 12, we are holy and we are acceptable. Look at 1 Corinthians. Remember, that, was that a dysfunctional church? Yes. You had people that were like in cliques, personality cliques. Uh, there were people that were separated from other people. There were people that were living with their uh, just some crazy sexual sins going on in that church. And they were coming to church. And guess what? They were a super gifted church. They were a church that Paul said that did not lack in the gifts. And what does Paul write in the beginning? First several chapters. What does Paul do? He spends the time in affirming them and who they are in Christ. He says, saints. Isn't that amazing? Paul, did you get that wrong? What are you talking about? Okay, Paul, okay, you planted a church. And now you got another guy running it. I've been in this situation. And then there's craziness going on in that church. And you got to do something about it because it's reflecting bad on you. And if you're a pastor and you're responsible for some kind of work that you've started and you feel that pressure, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're responsible for something that you started. It's easy to default to moral light, the morality mode. What does Paul do? He says, you know what? You're, you're saints. And he begins to work on that because... Sin is not an issue of behavior. Like, get this, okay? This is really important. Sin is not an issue of behavior. It's an issue of identity. Paul said, I am not my sin in Romans chapter 7. When somebody is struggling with addictions, what do I say to them? You got to will it. You got to mean it. You got to hit rock bottom. You got to be, you got you to admit how bad you are. Well, that might be a revelation to you. But that's not, that's not how we get victory over sin. We get victory over sin and addictions and besetting sins and then the quote-unquote scarlet sin. What are the other things that they use in churches? The secret sins and all of that stuff. And God knows your secret sin. You ever hear that? And then you're just sitting in your seat like, God, I'm going to burn in hell. You know something? And guess what? God knows more than just our secret sins. He, <laughs> he says, I want to open my Bible. I want to listen yes. to this message. This is, this is how we overcome sin. It's identity. We get a brand new identity. It's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that works in us. And so surrender is unconditional and without, without compromise, yet that can only be accomplished by yielding that 
to the Holy Spirit and to the Father that led his son to Calvary. Here's Jesus in his humanity in Matthew 26. And very often, it's a very controversial verse where Jesus said, people are like, well, was Jesus doubting? Was he doubting his mission? You know, and many Jesus movies, I've seen just about all of them. This, this particular portion in the movie is always very interesting because it's hard to portray this, this, this scene correctly. We see sometimes a doubting Jesus. Sometimes we see a confused Jesus. But here we see a Jesus that is in 100, he is 100% man. And he's also 100% God. And his 100% of humanity is saying, wow, this is tough. And I am just meeting a lot of resistance. And I'm getting a lot of pushback from, my, from the enemy. And this is not something that I physically want to do. I'm not so excited about being beat up to a pulp like, like hamburger on a, on a cross. And Jesus says, Jesus says, but if this is to be, let your will be done. And you know what he's saying? What is he saying there? Let's read these words because this is, we miss it so easily because we know these verses and we, and we miss it. But listen to what he says here. He says this. He says, thy will be done. Is he saying, I will do your will? I mean, he could, yeah, he's, he's going to do that, but he's saying, thy will be done. What is he doing here? He's surrendering to the current of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God, right? Is he anything less than God? No, he's 100% deity. The point I'm making here is, is that when we surrender to God, then his will is going to be completed. It's not me trying to accomplish God's will. When I was in Bible school, my first few months, I had this incredible fear that I was not going to, I was going to live my whole life, my life was going to end, and I was not going to fulfill the whole will of God. I don't know if you've ever had that fear, but you're like, what if I don't fulfill all of his will? You know, What happens if like I... I'm ignorant of a decision and I make a decision. I go in that direction when I'm supposed to go in this direction and I miss everything over there. And you know something, when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, when we, when we take, when we surrender ourselves as living sacrifices, I'm going to explain that in a second. Then what happens is, is that the Holy Spirit begins to live through you and I and the will of God begins to be accomplished. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I love that. Praise the Lord. It's like, how are you doing with the will of God? Are you, are you doing the will of God? I, 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 my answer to that is Jesus is doing the will of God in me, and he's my hope of glory. Yes. Colossians 127, right? Like, what's your, it, what is your, amen, what is your hope of glory? Oh, my willpower, man. I'm going to do it. I made a promise to my accountability partner, and those are good, by the way. I don't want to mock those, but I made a promise, and I'm never going to do that again. And if I seek that, th- i give, got to give him a call. And say, hey, I'm thinking that thought. Well, that's great, but listen to this. Let's try this. And that's important because God sends people into our life to really build us up in who we are in Christ, not in the flesh, right? And, and maybe this is a little different than what you've heard, but this is really what we understand from the Bible, is that when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, when we surrender to that new creation, guess what happens? Christ lives through us. So we can state very clearly and very confidently that God accomplishes our surrender. And it's like, God, if I'm not winning in an area of my life, I was thinking tonight as I was eating, eating sausage, chicken sausage with feta cheese and inside of it. Got that at Costco last night. That's like awesome. With, with, some, with some sriracha and Texan barbecue. What a mix. I was eating that tonight and I was just getting fired up because it was hot. And I was thinking about this thought, like, like, you know what unbelief is? Unbelief 
is the one sin that can hinder God. Remember in, in Psalm 78, where, where God the Almighty speaks to Israel and says, I did all of this for you, and yet Israel hindered the, the, the Holy One of Israel. Now, how do, you, how do we hinder an Almighty God? How do we do that? When, yeah, when we shift into unbelief, what is basic, what is unbelief? Unbelief is just basically when I am saying, I can do it. I can do this. I got this. I got this. I got it. And this is what, and this is, this is, this is the, this is, um, this is the, this is the second thing that, that, um, this is the second point that I want to bring up tonight. First point, God accomplishes our surrender. Praise the Lord. We could have a worship night about all that, about that all night that God is going to accomplish. If he began a good work in your life, you know what? It's a good work. You might look at your life and say, what a mess. What a mess. What a mess. I failed X amount of years over here and I failed over here a couple months. God began a great work. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to be faithful to finish it. Amen. He's going to be faithful to finish that. The second thing is, is that what are the hindrances to surrender in our life? I think there's four. Number one, fear. If I surrender all, where is this going to take me? Have you been there? <laughs> God, if I surrender all, what happens if it doesn't work? What happens if this doesn't, if this doesn't pan out? What if I send out all the prayer newsletters and all the prayer pictures and all the Facebook posts and the Facebook events and everything like that? And what happens if this totally miserably fails? I don't know. It's in God's hands. And I don't think that we ever need to live in fear because, because we can be confident that if we surrender to God, if I'm not in that perfect place that God wants me to be, I'm going to be. God's going to move me to that place. Think of Abraham, right? Abraham, he goes down to Egypt because he, makes a, he just makes a fleshly decision thinking, you know what? In the promised land where God wants me, his geographical will is now having a, a famine. I'm going to, I, I'm going to go down to Egypt and I'm going to just, it's great going on down. It's great down there. And so they go down, life is good. And then what happens? God gets him out of there. And then as God gets him out of Egypt, guess where he returns to? God brings him back to an altar that, that Abraham had built. You know, when we get off course, God's going to bring us back to those altars that we made with God. Those moments, these altars are these moments in our life where we're sitting like the prodigal son in his situation, or we're sitting in a circumstance like Abraham in Egypt, and we're thinking, how did I get here? And God, and I need to get God to bring me back. And when we get back to that point, we get to celebrate an aspect of God's nature. And so fear, if I surrender, all, where will it take me? Guess what? It's going to take me to the best place that I could ever imagine because the sovereign plan of God, this was such a revelation to me this year, the sovereign plan of God is rooted in goodness. It's not rooted in God's weirdness or God's annoying character or so it's not God is not annoy he's not playing games with you and I he's not playing games with your soul you can really trust him and I believe that if it's something is not God's will he's just not going to open he's going to he's not going to let me open he's not going to let me go through that door number two John six here's the second reason people we we are hindered from surrender because we get offended many turned back and followed him no more because we think okay that's too offensive the cost is too great. I don't want, Jesus doesn't have a place to live. He, Jesus lives in one-star, two-star hotels. I want five-star. I'm not following that kind of a guy. Jesus, I'm driving a Hummer. 
I'm driving a, just kidding. I'm driving a Mercedes. Jesus is driving a beat up Corolla. You know, I'm offended. I don't want that. Okay. I can, here's another thing. I cannot accomplish it. I mean, I can't accomplish this. Who said that? That was the rich young ruler. Remember that? Uh, the rich young ruler. And some people say that that was John Mark. That, that some, I've just recently read that. We got a John Mark here. Some say that that may have been John Mark. I don't know. I don't know if it can be proved or not, but I heard that that's a theory. But whatever, whoever it was, whoever it was, here's, G, here's Jesus answering his question. He said, he said, go and sell all that you have and follow me. And he walked away shaking his head. And what did Jesus say about that man? That he was very close to the kingdom, right? He was very close. And then number four, the fourth hindrance to surrender is I can do this. I can do this. Remember who said that? Joshua 24, remember? They said, remember, God speaks in, in Exodus 18 and 19 about his huge faithfulness. And then again in Joshua 23 and 24, God is talking about his faithfulness. And, and he's talking about how he can do all of this through the nation of Israel. And then what does Israel say? We will serve the Lord. Hey, that sounds great, but if you dig deeper, what, is, what does Joshua say? Remember what he says? Right. He says these specific words. He says, you cannot serve the Lord. Yeah. What, Joshua? What do you mean you can't serve the Lord? Joshua's saying, this is a grace covenant, and if you try to serve God for his pleasure and for his favor in your life, you're going to be racking up debt. And that's what the whole story of the book of Galatians is all about. That God is not calling us into servant mode because Jesus said a servant does not know his master's mind. He says, I call you friends. And so these are four things like fear, getting offended. I cannot accomplish this. God's not asking us to accomplish it. And number four, I can do this. I can do it. I can do this. Joshua 24, 18 through 19. So what's the third thing? What's the third thing about surrender? The first thing First thing was that God accomplishes our surrender when we, when, we, when we present ourselves a living sacrifice. He renews our minds. Second thing is there are hindrances to surrender. And number three, what, is, what does surrender mean? It means that I'm no longer my own. Isn't that amazing? Somebody says, well, you people, grace people, you preach grace, and then you let everybody go out and live in sin, and then you come back and you preach more grace. <laughs> they obviously do not know the nature or the person of grace because have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever tried to go out and live in sin, living in the grace message? Want to have a, want to have a crazy time? That is crazy because that, then God, God's grace, you meet the other half of grace, which is the same grace, but it's like the responsible side of grace, which says you are in the wrong place. You do not belong here. You are loved. You are acceptable. You're holy. You're righteous. You're a saint. And you're in the world. And right now you're living in a lie because this is not who you are. Do you ever call somebody up who's struggling and say, you know what, buddy, this is just not who you are. And, and they are living in this, they're just living in this craziness. Like they're living in this image of themselves. My wife and I just heard of a situation where a husband and wife, very, very wealthy woman, um, and he was just enjoying this wealthy life, their older couple, and he was just lost in porn. 
And you know what happened to him? He began to, began to be his image. He began to be thinking like, this is who I am. And when you look at the guy and when you look at the woman, you think, how could this guy be thinking that that's who he is? Like, yeah. do you, isn't that crazy? That yeah. the deception, because the devil begins to feed something into your mind and say, this is who you are. And you're, and you're like, this is who I am. And we're, you're looking at it. And, because the issue is not addiction. The issue is not, oh, you know, the issue is identity. And when you, and when you look at, who you are and you begin to get if you have a revelation of how amazing and wonderful and loved and and cherished and nurtured you are in the kingdom of god that stuff is just so trashy and so gross it's just like it you know it's so like so like um surrender means i'm not my own and just a couple things and then i bought with a price i'm bought you ever you ever have you ever had your boss say sorry you can't take a break right now i'm paying you like you ever you ever have a period of time where you're you can't do what you want to do because you're 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 under time yeah. you're you're you know yeah. that happens a lot right like <clears throat> like you know can i just have another five more minutes on my break nope i need you back here i need you back here at one o'clock i'm paying you for this and you're bought with a price with christ it's different we are bought with a price we're bought from the slave market of sin and we're bought and we're bought with such a high price there's some beautiful stories about just people being purchased out of just crazy situations with such a high price and then later on discovering who they are. Number two, it's not, it means that surrender means that I'm not choosing, but God is choosing for me. Surrender means that I, I'm, not, I'm not calling the shots here. I'm not choosing my path. I'm not choosing my occupation. This is a whole other level of Christianity. If you ever want to, this is such an amazing, like God's going to choose my friends. God's going to choose what I'm doing in the church. God's going to choose what I'm doing in my occupation. God's going to choose where I'm going to live. Houston? <laughs> it's like I'm, not, I'm from Boston. You know, what am I doing in Houston? <laughs> you know, it's because God is calling the shots in my life, and I'm not calling the shots in my life. The story, maybe you heard this story. Missionary family um, wanted to, they, they really sensed they had a call to go to, to Africa. And... Uh, some family members were like, don't go to Africa because your kids are going to get bitten by snakes and they're going to die. You hear this story? And, and, uh, and they were so scared. They were like, they were so pressured. Don't go there. So they said, okay, we'll go to another place. So they went to another place and it was just outside of, and it was just a really nice place in the States. It was um, somewhere in Florida. And sadly to say, you know what happened? Like their kid got bit by a snake, you know, like what? And I don't mean to say that God is out to get you. God's out to get you. He's not out to do that. I'm just saying that the safest place for us to be is in that perfect will of God, in the center of his will. And, you know, that's that's a big question. I want to be asking myself, what is the center of God's will? Because outside of God's will, outside of God's geographical will, there could be a lot of blessing, but there's going to be a lot of discontent. Have you been there before? I've, I've been there. I've been there. And number three, surrender just means that, that, that in the body of Christ, I'm presenting myself a living sacrifice to God, and I'm making myself available. And when every one of us are doing that, to whatever capacity we, are, we serve, and we're surrendered to God, guess what happens? God begins to use us. God begins to... And it's not like I'm not serving people. You know, like what I do in the church, I'm not serving people. I'm serving God in the church. What I do... It's not, I mean, I love the pastor. I love everybody in the church, but <laughs> I'm doing this to God. You know, I'm doing this unto God. And that way, if somebody says to me, 
well, I don't like the way you did that. You know, I think you need to do it this way or like, you know, and, and you get some kind of human opinion. You ever get a human opinion? It's like, that's okay. I can handle that. I'm not going to get offended because I'm surrendered to God and I can love you freely because I'm surrendered to God. I'm, I'm not a people pleaser. I'm, I, I'm interested in one thing and that is, that is pleasing God. In closing, when I'm surrendered to God, this is the fourth thing about surrender, is that I'm resting from the struggle. I'm resting from the struggle. There's no more turmoil of battle inside our soul. And I want to talk about this on Sunday. When we have bowed before the author and the finisher of our faith to that soul, that full submission that is finished. What are we surrendering to? We're surrendering. This is the first and primary thing that we're surrendering to. We're surrendering to who we are in Jesus Christ. Because if we get that wrong, then we're, we're going to try to live the false self that we've been brainwashed to believe about ourselves, to protect ourselves from getting hurt. If we, if we miss the fact that my primary goal in my life is to surrender to Jesus Christ, and that is who I am, that's my new creation, then guess what's going to happen? Every relationship is going to be in turmoil. Every issue is going to be in turmoil. Hey, turmoil is going to happen in this world. God's not promising us peace from but he's going to he's promising us peace in the turmoil in the situation like you said when everybody's freaking out and and everybody's because you know something when you throw a rock in a pond the ripples affect the whole pond right you know when the enemy does something it's going to have a ripple effect throughout the city it's going to have a ripple effect through everything that's going on and that's why you're going to talk to joe over here you're going to talk to Susie over here and they don't know you they don't know each other but they're going to be experiencing very similar things because of the ripple effect of the enemy in houston and so there's no more battle inside our soul and like we said i just want to i want to i want to reemphasize this the cross is not empowering my flesh to war the good fight of faith the cross decimates all of my fleshly abilities to be godlike the cross crushed the enemy and shouts to us surrender and be free surrender and be free jesus said that in john 8 verse 36 in essence he said in those verses surrender to me and be free when jesus said he said they that know the truth they will be set free and what's the truth is that your sins are buried and they have been forgiven and god's not you're not on probation with God. You know, people may put you on probation. That, that is not in God's mind. God is not probating you. And he's not, because Jesus has already done all of that. Jesus was on probation for us for 33 years. Jesus completed the work for us. So now sin for me is this. Not that I, you know, did this thing over here. Sin for me in, John, in, in Romans chapter 14, verse 23 is this, at the moment I step outside of trusting God for my life, let's read that in closing, Romans chapter 14, verse 23, it says this, that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whoa, what a standard. Paul, that's impossible. It is impossible. Because at least I could try to live a little bit like the law, but this life of faith is impossible without God. The life of faith and life of grace is so much more impossible to live than the life of the law. Matthew chapter 5 tells us that. And so whenever you and I step outside of that moment of just surrender and say, God, I really don't know what to do in this relationship. God, I really don't know what to do in this situation. God, I don't know what to really do in this need. I'm just going to surrender to your mind, which is speaking continually. 
and I'm going to surrender to that, and I'm just going to quiet myself, and I'm going to get quiet. I'm going to I'm going to humble myself. Humility means that I I'm not the big I'm not the big ego in the throne of God in that in that in that throne room of God. You know, Jesus Christ is. And I'm going to just surrender to him. And I'm going to get quiet. I'm going to listen to him and say, God, you're in control. You are ordering the steps of my life. I surrender to you. And guess what happens? The result is a lot of peace and a lot of rest in the soul. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for our rest in Christ. Lord, we thank you that we have been made righteous that Lord 2,000 years ago plus or minus a few years you settled that issue on the cross you crucified the old man that part of us that could never submit or surrender to God you you crucified that and Lord Christian life today is not about us trying to please you or to earn your favor, or to build a spiritual tower of Babylon to the heavens, Lord. But God, you you descended and you came in the form of sinful flesh. And Lord, that how does that affect us? That affects our relationships because if I've got a struggle in a relationship, I've got a, if I've got a struggle in my personal life, if I've got a struggle in needs or a circumstance or in my ministry, or in the calling, I can just get quiet and say, God, this is not me trying to accomplish your will in my life. I'm surrendering to your will. And Lord, we trust that the day that we take our last breath, we are going to be in the perfect will of God because faithful is he who has started this great work in us, who will be faithful to complete it.